Hello, Olivier. It's Beyonce. When that first line played out during last September's incredible Balmain Festival, it immediately brought the crowd of 6,000 to its feet. <laughs> of course it did. One of the world's most famous singers had sent a personal, heartfelt audio message to Olivier Rustong, congratulating him on his 10th anniversary of overseeing the collections at Balmain. And her words made clear that she's a longtime friend, partner, and fan. That message of praise and friendship managed to perfectly sum up Rustong's unique pathway over the past decade, as Beyonce highlighted both his commitments to needed changes, his distinctive outlook, and those beautiful creations that have been an essential part of so many of her professional and personal moments. So I really can't think of a better way to begin this special episode than by listening to that entire message. Hello, I'm John Gilligan. Today we're very happy to kick off the second season of La Terrie Balmain. Last season, this podcast highlighted some of the legendary moments, designs, photos, and personalities associated with Pierre Balmain, the house founder. We focused on Monsieur Balmain as he boldly set off 75 years ago, during a very uncertain time of post-war shortages and anxiety, premiering his unique and fresh new French style, and helping to usher in a new golden age of Paris couture. With today's episode, we begin an in-depth, four-part exploration of the modern 21st century era of Balmain, the Olivier Rustang era. Last fall, Rustang celebrated his 10th anniversary as the house's creative director with a very special two-day Balmain festival. That took place inside an ephemeral festival village, which was set on an island in the middle of Paris's Seine River. The Balmain Festival combined incredible music, a runway presentation of the house's latest designs for men and women, and a special retrospective show, which was set within that show, where some of the most famous models from the past 20, 25 years or so strode out in front of a cheering crowd of 6,000 people, all wearing beautiful re-editions of some of Olivier Rustang's most iconic creations. These were designs that he had premiered in past runways over the past 10 years. And all of it helped to raise money for RED. RED is Balmain's longtime charitable partner, and RED funds the Global Fund's essential fight to end AIDS within our lifetime. Olivia joins me today to discuss that special Balmain Festival moment and his spring 2022 collections for men and women. And today is not the only day that we'll get to speak with Olivier. We'll also be talking with him over the podcast next three episodes discussing the most important house collections, his favorite campaigns, and key Balmain moments from the past 10 years. I am Olivier Roustin. Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. Bienvenue à l'atelier Balmain. Bienvenue à l'atelier Balmain. Hello, Olivier. It's Beyonce. Wow. 10 years. I am so incredibly happy to salute you on this special occasion. It was here, in Paris, where we were first introduced to each other. Do you remember? It was backstage in April 2013, when I was in Paris to perform at Bercy. But of course, we had both known about each other long before that night. Obviously, we had all heard the news about you when you were first named the Balmain Creative Director position. And oh my God, you were just a kid, 25 years old, when they announced that you 
would be heading up the collection at the House of Beaumont, or how we say in Houston, the House of Balmain. <laughs> but of course, it wasn't just your youth that made you such a surprising and bold choice. Before then, before you, it seems like the powers that be had a very hard time imagining that someone who looked like you could head up all the collections at a historical Parisian couture house. So yes, it was a moment, a beautiful, long-delayed moment, something to cherish. And once you made it through that door, you made sure that it did not shut behind you. No, for 10 years, you've been determined to keep pushing that door open, wider and wider, making sure that others can also get new opportunities and reach new dreams. And fashion finally made some needed, real substantial changes. And the best part is nobody needed to remind you or persuade you to do what's right. You knew from day one that you had the singular power to help push for a new mindset, to help persuade fashion to finally begin to reflect the real, true beauty of today's streets. The beauty that you and your team see daily on the diverse, impressive boulevards and avenues of your beloved Paris. And from day one, you did the right thing. You knew from the start that actions speak so much louder than words. So you've taken the stands, you've made the commitments, and you followed through at every step of the way. You, your team, your runways, your campaigns, they all speak of that new, fresh, audacious, empowering outlook and your deep abiding convictions. And of course, well, there's the clothes. We have to talk about the clothes. We got to get into the clothes. Does anyone have any idea how many times I've worn a special Olivier Beaumont creation? There have been so many events and so many beautiful moments. I've worn one-of-a-kind Beaumont in arenas, in stadiums, all across the globe, in videos shot inside the world's finest museum and during some very important personal moments as well. For example, last fall when I cast my Texas Ballet for Change. And maybe you remember there was also two very special weeks at Coachella. At Coachella, we showed the world what's possible when two perfectionists get together. Yes, let's remember, we are both Virgos. <laughs> my team, your team, you, me, we worked like mad to make every one of those hundreds of looks exactly right for those special concerts, those special weekends. And yes, we did it. You did it. You helped me make my musical statement and you've helped me amplify my message and your designs have made me feel powerful. Thank you, Olivier. It seems so right that tonight you celebrate your decade with this unique runway concert moment. You and I both know that fashion and music, when combined together, can somehow make each other so much stronger. And I know that this house has an incredible history of partnering with great artists of the time. Pierre Beaumont, of course, dressed so many musical icons. And he dressed a legend, Josephine Baker, someone who both France and America celebrate for her amazing talent, joy, beauty, and her amazing courage. 
I love that today you continue to build upon that house heritage. Your love for music merges so perfectly with Balmont's long history of love for musicians, for music, for America, and for change. And that long history of love for Paris. Paris inspires all of us, and the beauty of this city is always reflected in your collections. Olivier, your documentary focused on your search for answers about your origins. It was so moving to watch as you searched with such honesty for answers about where you came from. But your work and your outlook made it clear that although you might have questions about your origins, you have always known where it is that you truly belong, Olivier. Your incredible decade has shown that the modern, always evolving, yet eternal Paris is your home. Balmain is your amazing tool for both beauty and change. Your outlook, your convictions, and your talent have affected and moved all of us. I am so proud to call you a friend. Happy 10th anniversary, Olivier. We're all looking forward to the next 10 years. Bravo. Hey, Olivier, good morning. Hi, John. Olivier, I'm so happy that we can start talking today about the Roustong decade of Balmain. 10 years. Okay, seriously, 10 years. So we've got a lot to cover, which is why this is only the first of four episodes concentrated on those many, many years. So let's start. We just heard Beyonce's moving message to you, which opened your show last September. That show was a key part of the house's second Bauman Festival. And for that festival, you had two days of celebrations of music and fashion, all at the Seine Musicale, which is an incredible new concert hall that's located on the western edge of Paris and set on an island in the middle of the Seine River. For that final night of your two-day celebration, you had musical guests Doja Cat and Franz Ferdinand giving concerts before and after your collection was shown, and there was an estimated crowd of 6,000 people cheering on your runway models and helping you to raise money for RED and the Global Fund's fight against AIDS. So, all in all, I guess we can say that it was definitely not the traditional way of showing a Paris Fashion Week collection. So would you mind starting off today by explaining to us exactly why you chose to present your collection in such an unusual way? Um, you know, I think I think it's always been really part of my of my um aesthetic to always try to push boundaries and in a way being bored of what we call traditional. And I think for me after 10 years a decade at Bauman, I think it was time for me to even to, uh, I would say, open the doors even more than usual. It's always been a dream for me to to create a concert slash uh, a fashion show. You know, that was what we call a Balmain village, where people could just enjoy the craftsmanship, the, the sneakers, the merchandising that we all have done for uh, around around the concert. So, you know, I think it's it was about inclusivity. It was about celebration. And it was about love, you know, that's that sense of togetherness. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know if I was celebrating only my 10 years. I don't think so. I think I was celebrating as well the fact that, you know, it has been two years where we all forced apart because of the COVID and he was celebrating the togetherness, being together after two years where we could not see each other. So I wanted to give that experience.
And on top of that, collaborating with Red was so important because, as you know, I know Bono since now six years, I think, and we love working together and creating moments where we can help. And I think, I think the fact that all the tickets uh, was sold out, I think after two or three hours when on our website, it was kind of crazy. But knowing that all the tickets could go to the charity, um, even telling you that kind of gives me goosebumps right now because I can, we can see that fashion can be more than what we think. It can be inclusive, it can, can help to change the world and make it better. It's interesting. And it really was such an incredible show, Olivier. And knowing that you helped raise so much money for Red makes it all much better, of course. We definitely will need to explore your many years working with Bono and the rest of the Red team in more detail as we explore this decade. So let's go back to the Bauman Festival. Besides the temporary concert village, the setting, those food trucks selling offerings from great Parisian chefs, the two nights of concerts, there was, of course, an incredible Bauman Spring 2022 collection that you showed that night. So, Olivia, let's talk a little bit about those designs. You've been really open about this spring collection is an extremely personal one for you. And you've shared with the press an incredible background story. And it's a story that somehow you managed to keep hidden from so many people for so long. It's a story of recovery from the burns that you suffered across the entire front of your body after you had a horrible accident at home when your gas fireplace blew up and you had to be rushed by ambulance to the burn unit at Paris's Hôpital Saint-Louis. And for Spring 22, you worked to channel all of that pain and the long rehab process directly into your creations. And somehow, by embracing both that suffering and the healing in your designs, well, ultimately, you've been able to convey a message about the liberating power of recuperation, of honesty, and healing. Am I right? Do you think I'm summing up that message correctly? No, it's true. I think, you know, it was... Of course, it has been a really tough year for all of us because of the COVID and for all what happened around the world. But I have to say that it was a really tough year because one morning I woke up and I was totally burned. So I spent a lot of time in the hospital uh, making friends with the nurses, with the doctors. Because, you know, at that moment, I don't know if I had much hope, you know, in my in my future. And and when I realized that I was recovering day by day and and I could come back to work, I think I think around after maybe 10 days, uh, but still going to the hospital every morning for, I think, around two months, uh, getting all the treatments. Um, yeah, I realized that it would be a tough year, and I was hiding myself for so long, and I knew that in a year I would just celebrate my decade. So I decided that the collection would be inspired by the bandages that I was I was wearing for for months, and I was, I have to say, pretty good at hiding it. Um, and yeah, of course, um, why do I need to hide it? Um, because I felt ashamed, you know, I felt ashamed because what you see on social media and what you see, what you pretend to be is not always who you are. But I think it's part of my story to just try to pretend sometimes, you know, sometimes too much maybe. But yeah, this collection was definitely inspired by the hope of healing 
and celebrating a recovery. And and yes, I think it was so much more. I think when people think that I'm celebrating only my decade, I was celebrating so much more than that decade at Barma. And and yeah, I was seeing like people clapping and just smiling and just screaming in the arena, you know, felt like there's so much love and and so there's so much hope when there is love, I think. So I get and you know, I I I think my finale was on this song called Unstoppable from Sia. And basically I'm I really feel like I'm unstoppable. So that's why this collection will always be, I would say, in my heart and on my skin. <laughs> yeah, Olivia, that's a very strong message. So let's build upon that message, right? You've mentioned that you've focused on the incredible power that you received from the liberation and the freedom as you healed and you moved forward with your life and your career. In fact, after the show, there's a quote from you in the New York Times where you said that as you marked your 10th year, with this Balmain Festival special retrospective glass at your past decade, that you felt like you were not just closing a chapter, as many kept repeating, but instead you were closing a book. You were really focused in that interview about your desire to truly start off this next Balmain decade with an entirely new spirit. You wanted to make clear that you wanted to begin with an entirely new book. Is that correct? Yeah, it's totally correct. I think I said I didn't close a chapter because I definitely feel I close a book for for my experience at Barman, which has like been incredible ten years, so many seasons, so many memories, so many incredible moments, and and so many as well difficulties. You know, the, but um, but I think after ten years, it was time for me to say, okay, a book is closed and let's open a new one. Of course, it was. It was because of 10 years, it's so long. At the same time, it feels so short. And at the same time, as you mentioned, and when I, what I say to the New York Times, I feel it was a year of healing, and now it's a year of freedom. And, and I need to close... I don't want to say I close a chapter because I really want to close a book to open a new one. Uh, after all this, after this decade, but as well what happened to me last year, I felt like... I just don't want to survive. I want to live. You know, it's another, it's two different words to me. And, and I want to take time. I want to breathe. I want to the, see the beauty of the world. And, and even the COVID, if you think about it, like everything feels so banal, you know, the app, like taking a, a flight and just going around the world. And when you know that you're stuck in your house and you cannot see your friends, you cannot travel, you cannot fly, you know, you realize that you, you you miss something, but to understand that you miss it, 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 you need some time to have what we have, what we went through, which is being stuck and realizing how it's important to to travel, to discover the world. And when you definitely get burned, or when you get stuck in a hospital for months, you realize the importance of of just celebrating every second of your life. You know, so um, that's why I say I close the book and open a new one because. It's time to open a really incredible book full of joy, uh, full of hope and freedom. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, those past two years, these past two years <laughs> definitely have left their mark on all of us. So, Olivia, one more thing about that spring collection. There's one thing you've mentioned in the past 
So because you started out as such a young man as the creative director at Balmain, a lot of your references and inspirations might have been seen by others as perhaps too close for comfort, a little too recent, perhaps, for some of the older fashion critics to be comfortable with. Because when you start first started out doing your collections, the others are still looking back to the 70s and 80s for inspirations. So you made some people a bit uncomfortable, perhaps, as you look back to your memories at the styles and references and music from the 90s and the early part of this century. And in this latest collection, well, you definitely seem to go all out with the Y2K spirit and references, right? This seems to be a full-on embrace of what you grew up with, if I'm correct, no? Yeah, you're totally correct. It's always that feeling of feeling ashamed, you know? I think... And it's, it's, it's funny because it's a completely different question. But at the end of the day, it's always feel like it was the question from before. Why do I hide myself? Because I feel ashamed of how I look. Uh, how, why did I men, why I didn't uh, feel, um, uh, strong and confident enough to say, I love the 90s pop. I love the 2000, early 2000, because this is my generation. I again feel ashamed. Uh, that's why I tell you that's, that's, uh, um, new book will definitely a bit <laughs> be about freedom and not feeling ashamed of who you are and who you want to be. Um, it feels so good now. I get older and I feel so happy because when I was so young in the French luxury house, in a weird way, in a French uh, really old-fashioned system, you need always to pretend to love that kind of music, that kind of generation, that kind of cool um, crowd, uh, the mood board are the same for so many designers because it's kind of like you need to just follow one road. And you know, I never loved when there's one road, I want to try 10, you know, but not just one. Or if someone tell me go to the left, I would rather to try to go to the right. This is maybe the problem, but I think it became my strength now. And, um, and you know what? Yeah. When I was starting Barman, I, I tried to pretend to be someone else and I tried to be maybe more adult in a way, in a sense that I was trying to be, how can I say? I'm just, you know, I just, I'm just so happy to be who I am today, older and even more confident. You know, when you're young, sometimes you're not as confident because you, you, you feel again ashamed of of maybe not going in the right direction or the direction that someone tells you to go. And and again, being stuck in the 70s, in the 60s, maybe sometimes in the 80s. And it feels so good to just now being the witness of my time and say, yes, I love culture. I love pop culture. I I'm, I'm feel so proud to love the newness of the world and not always pretending to love what we call vintage. And that's the problem of fashion and the fashion system. They always prefer to say vintage than newness. And because it's always feel more comfortable. And I think it's more, you know, it's human nature to always having that kind of nostalgia of the past and not embracing the present, you know, or maybe embracing the future. Because it's kind of scary if you think about it. For many people, that is part of this old generation of fashion and, ru and, ru and ruling fashion, you know, being the king of fashion, imagining that their world getting old, you know, when my world, maybe because I was really young, was just too fresh and too new, 
I think it's just a combination that is amazing. And again, at that time, I felt ashamed. But now I feel proud because I can be loud about my references, my music, my generation. And again, I feel really proud of being the witness of my time. So, Olivier, it's really interesting you say that. Because that makes me think of one of my favorite reviews of your last show. And that review was in Vogue.com. And I'm sure you saw it. It's from Luke Leach. He wrote it. And as always, he had some really interesting points. So building on what you just went through about how hard it was for you when you started, when you were so young, beyond the fact that you were looking to decades and inspirations that some fashion critics might have been unhappy with, as, and sometimes they made very clear just how unhappy they were. Well, just let me read directly what Luke Leach said. He was talking about the fact that you had to work twice as hard as most designers had to in order to win the approval of fashion critics. And then he mentions, and let me read this quote directly. But then in 2016 or so, five years in, Roustan, the first black person to lead an historic French house, matured within himself enough to view these haters, barbs, not as wounds, but as badges of honors, as scars of the right fight. Bring it on. And he gained a superpower. He understood that this furious noise was the angry squeaking hinges of a door that had never before been opened until he pushed it. So he kept pushing. So, Olivier, how do you feel when you read something like that? Do you agree with it? Do you feel, as Luke Leach points out, that there was a marked transformation within yourself, a change in attitude, and a change in your designs sometime around the middle of your decade at Balmain? Uh Yeah, I feel, I feel, you know, it's... As you mentioned, I started so young. I was 24 when I started at Balmain, you know. So when you get the spotlights on you, you feel so much responsibilities, but you feel such a kid at the same time. And I think my strength as well was to be a kid because, I mean, <laughs> you know, we say in French that, um, I don't know, actually, I, I, I don't know if we say that in English, but, you know, like a kid, he has never, he's never scared to put his finger in the, in the fire, you know, like when you switch on a candle, you know. Uh, and <laughs> it's so funny because I got burned, <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, you know, I think it's my, it was my strength because when you're a kid, you're, you're less scared of the world, you know, because you didn't know that there's so much danger in this world. So I think that was my strength. And one day I woke up with all the critiques, with all the really haters, you know, and, and I'm just full of love, you know, and I just do my work. So I just don't understand when people just hate because I just love so it was hard for me because I was again a kid um so I became sometimes a bit bitter you know you can you start to become like really and I know I shouldn't say that but when you start to have so much critiques and so much comments and never being enough you know you just feel you just feel not good with yourself so you get some scars that on is on your skin and at that point you believe that those scars become will become your strength and again, you know, there is as well something that at 10 years ago, people didn't mention. I was the first French black designer and many people in fashion didn't want to talk about color. So it was a fight for me to talk about inclusivity, to talk about diversity when the world was not ready for it. 
So it was a lot of battles. But those battles I was not doing for fashion, I was doing for the new generation. Because my generation could not dream of being a designer because there was no references of being a black designer in a French old luxury world, you know. And and so those battles, I became stronger and stronger. I created what we call this hashtag Bauman Army because I just wanted to be surrounded by soldiers and and pick up the fight and maybe at one point win that fight. So today I don't know if I win that fight, but for sure what I what I know is that uh, my voice start to resonate and and this is the importance because people start to understand the problems and start to fix the problems that we have in the society that we have in the industry. Um I became stronger, I became sometimes tougher. Um but again right now I feel free to be who I am. And not fighting to be who I want to be, just being. It's such a different feeling. And so, yeah, and I love Luke because he followed me for 10 years at least uh, with Vogue. And um, he always understood me. And even when the collection were not as good as the others, you know, he was constructive. You know, all his comments were really objective. But, and that's important, being surrounded by people that can make you feel good. Hmm. That's really interesting, Olivier. It's interesting that you say that because when you think about what Luke Leach said and what you're talking about uh, as you grew into your position, well, a lot of your freedom and your progress seems to be very directly tied to this idea of how you are unusually transparent and you always prefer to speak directly to people. It seems to be very important for you to avoid intermediaries and to go directly to people. I mean, that's why you've been so strong on social media, right? And everything you do does seem to ring more or less true or very true. And you're always very authentic. For example, in your documentary, Wonder Boy, which is on Netflix now, it's incredibly emotional because you don't hold anything back. You really show what's happening. You definitely don't try to filter or soften your message or anything that's happening around you. Could you speak about this, about how for the past decade it's been very important for you to be so transparent, so unusually open, and so direct? I think it's something that is unfamiliar to a lot of people in the fashion world, right? Uh, I've always been really transparent because I think it can help people to understand to again not feeling ashamed because maybe the society tell you to be there and you don't want to be there. Um, you know, if you speak about Wonder Boy, which I feel so thrilled because it's on Netflix, it's such a huge platform and my my life is obviously <laughs> gave on the plate, you know, in a weird way. Um, but I think this documentary is about, you know, it's just a guy that comes from an orphanage, half Ethiopian, half Somalian, uh, didn't know his origins for 30 years, trying to look for maybe the reconnaissance, you know, the reconnaissance of, um, of my bajical mother. Um, but at the same time, telling to the world, this is my weakness. It's a scar that makes me stronger today. But at the same time, look where I am now. 
So if it happened to me, it can happen to you. Never believe that the past will define your future. Never believe that when there is a storm, there is again a storm. Because after the storm, there is the sun. Always believe in hope. Always believe in love. Always believe in 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 a better future, you know? And I think this is why my transparency transparency is important and honesty. Because I became as well such a caricature of myself for so many years, trying to pretend and pretend and putting a mask on me, you know? And at that time, I was just like, you know what? People need to know that I just don't live... I'm not just surrounded by champagne and gold and glitz and bling, you know? <laughs> the reality of my life is is not as simple as maybe people believe it could be. And so I cannot thank enough Netflix and Canal Plus for for documenting my life. Even if, again, I tell you, that's the weirdest thing is that usually you do a documentary on someone when he's dead or when it's the career is over. So when you get your documentary at 30, you're just like, I hope I would have something to say at 60. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Olivier. 30 years old, okay, it's pretty, pretty young for a documentary. And being in your 30s is also a bit young for a retrospective of your work, okay, Olivia? So going back to that retrospective, back to that Spring 22 collection, we've already talked about a couple of the inspiration that can be seen in the collection. We talked about the Y2K influences, and of course, that very personal inspiration that is coming from the accident, the recovery, and the healing. But another big part of what you showed is clearly an emphasis on the tradition of savoir-faire at Balmain and what the Balmain Atelier can do, what you and your team are doing as far as Parisian tailoring, embellishments, couture techniques, and craftsmanship, and actually bringing all that traditional Parisian craftsmanship into the 21st century as well. Because for me, there is quite a lot of that runway that was incredibly complex, exquisitely beautiful, and very artisanal, but it did not always look traditional. Yeah, I think it's so important for me to show the savoir-faire of the house and the craftsmanship again, what you're mentioning. I think, you know, Pierre Barman is a house that has been built in 1945 with such a richness and couture um, history. So I wanted to make sure that no matter if I'm a witness of my time, no matter if I'm into the pop culture of the culture of today, I don't. I, I always want to remind people the savoir-faire and the values of a house of Bauman. And so it's important for me to, to show that you can do that kind of craftsmanship, that kind of couture into a modern world. Um, this collection was, an, was, I would call the collection of the paradox because it was about maximal and minimal at the same time. Tailoring with uh, construction, with disconstruction. And, and I think there was a softness in this collection that I'm not used to, that I'm not known for because it's always a lot of armor you know, it always feel like a really big, strong armor, and um, and today I feel free. So my clothes f uh, smell freedom. You know, breathe freedom, scream freedom. Olivia, one of the strongest moments of your closing night at the Balmain Festival, which may be, I think, what most people have seen if they didn't watch the whole runway show and only saw highlights, was this amazing final section of the show when you had this 
incredible retrospective of your decade. And just to explain quickly, what happened is that you and your team selected what might be considered the signature looks that you had shown on previous decades, on the previous runways over the decade, and every one of them have since become the new icons of the modern Balmain. And to show those designs, you partnered with some of the greatest models from the last 20, 25 years or so. And they wore these beautiful new re-editions of your designs and walked out to incredible applause from the 6,000 people who were there. It was, and obviously, a very amazing moment. It was beautiful, it was moving, it was impressive. As I was watching it, I remembered that you had said to me before the show that when you were 25, 26, 27-year-old kid who was designing these pieces, that the very last thing that you were thinking about was that 10 years later, you'd be seeing these same pieces again in a retrospective runway. I remember that you explained to me that if someone had actually said something like that to you, that you were going to have a retrospective in 10 years, you probably would have laughed in their faces. (laughs) So how did it feel then on that night to see these pieces that you designed as such a young man once again on the runway and to be part of that amazing moment, to be part of this retrospective in front of thousands, what was going through your mind at the moment? It feels so weird. (laughs) You know, it just feels so weird. I feel like so old and so young at the same time. It's just so crazy when you see like, again, you you call that archives, you know, and this is so weird. Um, But it feels so good at the same time, you know, because because I could never believe at 24 being with you now in the podcast and talking about an entire decade of career. Like, it just feels so weird and so unique. But I think my strength as well is not realizing, you know, I live day by day without expecting anything from the future. I'm just like hoping and pushing and working days and night, like working early um, and just, you know, dreaming. And it's true, after 10 years, you stop and you're just like, wow. So those pieces were like 10 years ago or seven years ago. It feels so good. It feels obviously incredible when you see Carla Bruni wearing one collection, Naomi Campbell wearing another collection, Mila Jovovich wearing another collection, Nadej, you know, all those girls that, you know, as as a kid, I had their poster in my in my bedroom in Bordeaux, just like dreaming one day to have an autograph, you know? <laughs> and at the end of the day, I would never ever believe that eight years old that Naomi Campbell would open my show, you know? Like it was, but I think that's maybe the, I always dreamed about, you know, but dreaming doesn't mean it's happening. I have to say that maybe in my case, yes, it's happening. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm maybe because I'm so American in that sense, even if I'm French, I love this sentence, dreams come true. So I always make sure that my dream come true in a way. And it feels good. It feels, I cried. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I didn't say, but I cry all day of my show because between the rehearsal, seeing that venue, I was just crying because I was like, someone needs to pinch me, you know? It's just a dream. Is it true? Is it real? You know? And and I think that's the beauty of life, you know? Just wake up, waking up one day and say, 
that's the beauty of life and my life is great <laughs> you know of course Olivia, it had to be an incredibly emotional day for you and when bazaar wrote about the collection in the show i love that they started out the review with a an incredible a fantastic line some people get a bike for their 10th birthday but olivia ruston got beyonce so we started out this podcast playing that message that beyonce had recorded for your 10th anniversary and Olivier, when I hear her reading that message, it makes me emotional. You have such a long history with her. And to think about all the things that you worked on with Beyonce and others over these past 10 years, and to have that all summed up with such a moving message on such an important day. Olivier, how did you feel? How was it for you when you heard that message? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, when I heard the, the note... Um, when I heard a message, so many people told me, now we don't dare anymore sending you a message for your birthday after what Beyonce did for you. <laughs> it's kind of true. After that, I mean, everything feels kind of okay. Ah, uh, oh, you know, it's, it's again, it's again a moment in life where, I don't know, it just feels so, I don't think I have even one word to describe the emotion that, Right now I have uh, starting the podcast, hearing again this incredible message because because if someone told me at 10 years old, Beyonce would record a message for you and what she did was just will stay in time, you know, and, and it will be part of the history. And so it's, you know, maybe... Maybe I go back to the Wonder Boy uh, documentary in a way. I think when I was a kid, my question was like, why I'm on earth? Because you know, when your mother doesn't love you and kind of abandon you, you feel like, what's going to be my life? You know, because the first love that you need to have is the love of your parents. And that's obviously something that I didn't have at the time because my biological parents didn't keep me. But, you know, when you have that kind of message from Beyonce, when you have that decade of Obama, and when you have that 6,000 people screaming, you know, maybe I found my answer, you know. I have a reason to be on Earth. And, and with the message of Beyonce, I think she reminded me as well that I'm, I have many reasons to keep fighting, to, to make my scar being my strength, and, and to keep, believing you know so i think maybe this year when i tell you i feel free it's because i find answers and a reason why i'm here and i'm on earth you know beyonce's message really served as a perfect way to start and end this podcast because i think she pretty concisely sewed it all together right she made it very clear that during your decade at Beaumont, you've been much more than just a designer you been somewhat intent on making changes, pushing forward, and always being quite open every step along the way. And I think it was a great way of saying, just as you mentioned again today, that you're closing a book and you're moving on to your whole new book. And just as Beyonce said in her last words, hey, Olivia, bravo. We're looking forward to the next decade. So congratulations again, Olivia. Thank you for giving us this time, and thank you for walking through us through the September show in your last collection. We'll be talking again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.